Well, this is week four in our series as we focus uh, on the Gospel of John and the great I Am statements that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ made. And we actually really began uh, that uh, five weeks ago uh, because we had to set the stage as, as to what authority did Jesus have when he would make these great statements that I am, I am. And so we looked in John 8, and we heard Jesus say in 8.58, before Abraham was, I am. And Jesus was equating himself with the great I am God. Same words that that God used when he defined himself to Moses. When Moses was sent to go to Pharaoh and ask, you know, he said, who sent me? And God said, tell him, I am sent me. And he said, I am, that I am God. So he was talking about his pre-existent incarnate life as the Son of God. And he is equal to God in that, in that Godhead. And so we heard him say that, that I am the I am God. And then we've heard him so far declare that he is the bread of life, the light of the world, the door. And today we'll hear his claim as the good shepherd. And all these messages are hopefully uh, helping you understand more about the Gospel of John and more about how he portrayed Jesus and these statements, how they defined Jesus' love for us, his actions in our life, and, and what he wants to do as the good shepherd, particularly as we look at that today. And so also, hopefully, it's encouraging us to be involved in the, in the gospel distribution uh, that some have already been a part of, as we've heard those testimonies today about the gospel distribution about that. And there are places that you can serve. There are sign-up tables in the atrium about that where you can get involved with the gospel of John. But this morning, we're going to hear Jesus make his bold claim to be the good shepherd. If you look with me at the scripture, either on the screen or your Bible app or your Bible, whatever more comfortable for you, we're going to hear uh, these words of Jesus in the context in which he's speaking uh, in verse chapter 10 of the Gospel of John, beginning in verse 11. And Jesus begins by saying, I am the good shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. And he goes on to say, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. He says that again. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my sheep life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Now, what we hear, first of all, is the claim of Jesus. And what is his claim? He says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Now, why do we need a shepherd today? How would that relate to us? We know how valid it was in the time in which Jesus lived. Well, it's still valid in the time uh, that that we live in now. If you go to the Holy Land, you see still the shepherd and and their sheep. And so when he talks about being the shepherd, he doesn't just say, I am the shepherd, but he says, I am the good shepherd. So I think there's some implication in there that we need to pick up on right readily. 
Now, why do we need a good shepherd? Well, we as people are described, as God's people, are described throughout the Bible as being sheep. And sheep are notorious for being dumb and prone to wander. And we need protection, leadership, and care, and guidance even today. And Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I got to thinking this week about how we keep talking about it's not a very flattering statement for us to be described as sheep when God talks about us being his sheep and, and the sheep of his pasture. Because sheep are notorious about roaming, getting lost, and wandering. And you know, I got to thinking about the fact I've gone to circuses and other events where I've seen all kinds of animals trained, but I've never seen sheep trained to do any tricks. Have you? I mean, I, I, I have witnessed horses and elephants and tigers and lions and dogs and even cats be trained to do tricks. But I've never seen sheep do any kinds of tricks. I've never seen a, tri- a, a sheep trainer. It's always been just a, simply a shepherd to do what? To lead, to guide, to care for, and to protect the sheep because they need it. Now, what's behind this statement that Jesus makes, this claim that he makes? How would it resonate with the people who heard it? Well, well, you look in the past, particularly in the Old Testament, and you see how significant that role was as a shepherd. Abraham, the father of the nations, was a keeper of a great number of sheep, and tremendous flocks. Moses was tending the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro when God called him into a special service. Certainly David was the shepherd boy called in from the field to become the king of Israel. And then we had the image of God in the psalm that's so wonderful and beloved to us in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. When the prophet Isaiah spoke about the coming of the Messiah... He worded it this way, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather his lambs into his arms. So the tradition of being a shepherd is very much a part of the culture into which Jesus was speaking and they would understand that. And the picture comes very clearly in the focus in the New Testament. Jesus once told a story about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep but one of them went astray. I think we would think that if we had 99 out of 100 safe in the fold, we would do pretty well. But Jesus said that shepherd left the 99 safe in the fold and went out searching for that one that was lost. Later when Jesus would talk about and describe the masses of people that he would see, Matthew and Mark, I believe it is, that record for the fact that he looked at them like sheep without a shepherd, which meant they didn't have anybody to guide them. They didn't have anybody to protect them. So I think it's refreshing for us to hear today that Jesus is the good shepherd. And of course, when we hear him say the good shepherd, that indicates that there were bad shepherds who had come along. Now, John 10 is the last public discourse that Jesus would give in the Gospel of John. So it's quite fitting, as he was preparing then, to become that, that one who would lay down his life for his sheep. Then that he would talk about the fact that he was the good shepherd compared to those who were bad. And both Isaiah and Jeremiah spoke out against the bad shepherds. I, Isaiah's record of God's warning to the greedy shepherds was particularly scathing. 
He said, his watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. Now, that's pretty bad, isn't it? They are dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yes, they are greedy dogs which never have enough. And they are shepherds who cannot understand. They all look to their own way, everyone to his own game. Now, Isaiah didn't give us a very flattering picture of the shepherds, did he? I mean, he called them dumb dogs. They can't bark. They just have their own gain in mind. Jeremiah was a major prophet during the decline and fall of the southern kingdom of Judah. And in Jeremiah 23, we find these words, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my people. You have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doing, says the Lord. Now, in opposition to those who were the bad shepherds, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and I'm willing to lay down my life for my sheep. Even when Jesus made this statement, we find him in this passage of Scripture saying, again, that there were some who weren't legitimate shepherds. One, he talks about their sheep stealers who try to climb in, not go through the door, but try to climb over and steal. He says that some of them are strangers to the sheep. They don't belong there. The sheep don't know their voice, and they don't follow them when they call out. He says some of them are hired hands. They're just common day workers. They're working for the day. It's not their sheep. They don't have anything invested in that. They all they're there for are just to do a job, not take care of the sheep. And in contrast to that, Jesus says to us, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And the word translated good there literally means to be worthy of, to be excellent, and to be beautiful. So once again, in this profound statement he makes, the claim to be the good shepherd, Jesus is defining himself as the I am God and telling us once again in another way, another metaphor being the good shepherd, that he is sufficient. He is sufficient for all of our needs in life. He is sufficient to meet our needs because as the I am God who is the good shepherd, he will lead us. And think about that beautiful image in Psalm 23. He will lead us to crystal clear water to drink and verdant meadows to eat. He is sufficient for all the basic needs that we have in life. He is sufficient to guide us in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And as the good shepherd, Jesus is the I am God, remember this, who is sufficient for your every need. Now how do we see that? How did Jesus describe how he would meet our every need as the good shepherd? Well, that's the second point of this message today, and that is the care of Jesus as the good shepherd. First of all, we heard the claim, I am the good shepherd. He's not like the other ones who were the bad shepherds who didn't care about the sheep. They were only in it for personal gain. But he says then the care of Jesus as the good shepherd is revealed in these ways. First of all, Jesus knows his sheep. Now, we think about that today. We're relating to us now. He knows you and he knows me. He knows us on a very personal, intimate level. And I think that's something significant for us today. We we need to know that. I think here we find the scripture in verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and my sheep 
know me. He knows us. He's not impersonal. That's why God sent Jesus, was so that we would know what he is like. Because people live with a distant thought about God, that he's up there somewhere and we're down here, and, and there's no connection. And Jesus came as God in the flesh to reveal to us, this is what God is like. He's intimately involved in every aspect of your life. He knows what's going on in your life, and he cares about you. You ever get mail addressed as the occupant or resident of such and such an address wherever you live? I get that stuff all the time. What do you do with it? I, huh? I think I throw it away. I mean, I shred it or I tear it up, whatever, but I get rid of it. It's not for me when they address that to occupant or resident. See, God never calls us that way. He knows our name, the Bible says. He knows the number of hairs upon our head. Our, our names are engraved on the palms of his hand. He doesn't call us by number. How number-driven we are today. No, if you write a check, you still write a check for something. you got to produce your driver's license, and they're going to record your number of your driver's license and put it on that check. You use your debit card, you got to have a what? you got to have a number. We call that the PIN number, right? But you got to punch in your PIN number to use your debit card. How many of you have your taxes already taken care of? You got your taxes filed. Oh, oh, they upset me. I'm still working on mine. That's that's a number game above numbers, isn't it? And and, and then you send it in, and IRS is going to check off numbers. They're going to check off your Social Security number. They're going to check off your employer number. They're going to check off all the numbers you've sent in, and you're just waiting, hoping that everything checks out okay. So we're numbers driven in our culture today. Not so much personal identity anymore, right? So the IRS knows us by numbers. The state knows you by your driver's license. And by the way, do you know your driver's license number? You know that? That's a good thing to know. When I was 14 years old, I got my driver's license. My mother said, memorize that number. And I did. And I kept it. Even when I lived five years in Kentucky, somehow I kept on my state of South Carolina driver's license. Said, I don't want to give it up. I got that number learned. I can't learn another number. So what happened is that all the population grew in the state of South Carolina, came back, and I had to get it renewed. They changed just put two zeros in the front of it. That yours? You've had your driver's license for a long time? They put two zeros in the front of the original number? Yeah. And then the state was crazy enough when I was 16 and a driver's license in my hand to turn me loose with a school bus. So, uh, oh, and uh, Cookie got back Thursday from being in Kentucky for 10 days, seeing about her mom and dad. For many of you ask about that, thank you for asking. She saw snow. She saw temperatures around zero. She was glad to get back here. And so we did something on Thursday that we've been talking about doing for a long time, and that is going to the Department of Motor Vehicles and getting that real ID. A couple of years, you're going to need that completely. You're not going to be able to get on a plane. And I'll tell you this, because you back there anywhere, Cookie, in this service, or you come in in the next one. Okay, she's not here, so I can tell you this. One of the main reasons that drove that is because we got our driver's license renewed years back when it was good for 10 years. And back then, Cookie was 10 years younger, and she was blonde. Now, she's 10 years older, and she's got her, just let her hair grow natural, and it's gray. Two different places, getting on the plane in, in Louisville and getting on the plane in Washington, D.C., they almost didn't let her on because they looked at that driver's license, and they looked at her, and they said, is that you? 
And one of the, one of the TSA agents said, what's your date of birth? You know? So when we got home, because he said, we're going to get that new license. i got to get that thing. So we did that. If you do that, you're going to have to fill out paperwork, and it's numbers and numbers and numbers upon numbers. But I will tell you this. I went prepared to stay for about an hour and a half. But the DMV, the last time I went, had been there on the real court, that added more and more stations, and we weren't there. We probably got it done in 20 minutes or less. So I would encourage you to do that before you need to have it done. Social Security. Your employer knows you by your Social Security number. In contrast and comparison to that, God knows us by name. He's concerned about us as an individual, knowing us again by name. The Good Shepherd knows our name, our concerns, our hearts, our fears. We live in a fearful time. Anxiety grips us. What in the world is this world coming to, I hear people say so many times. It is an age of anxiety. Sometimes we feel alone. Sometimes maybe we even wonder if God knows what's going on in this world that he created. It's getting so bad. Well, yeah, he does. He knows us and he knows everything about us and he cares about us. Secondly, Jesus leads his sheep. He gives guidance to us today. We live in a world like a confusing maze with all kinds of ways that we can go. That's the world of pluralism in which we live today. The theology of pluralism. So many ways that you can get to God. A lot of people believe that. Listen, if there were more than one way to get to heaven, God wouldn't have had Jesus die on the cross. That's the only way. But he gives guidance to us. The Bible tells us, I think in verse 3, he says, uh, do we have that verse 3? Maybe not up there. Okay. But it says that he opens to the doorkeeper. And, and, and the sheep know him and he calls them and he leads them out. You ever thought about the fact that the difference between driving cattle and leaving sheep, leading sheep? You get behind a herd of cattle and cowboys whooping on the horses and, 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 and sometimes firing guns. And you drive cattle from behind. But not, you, you, you don't do that way with a flock of sheep. You get behind them and start yelling. They get nervous and frightened and they keep trying to get behind you because they want to follow the shepherd. They want somebody to lead them. And many times in life I think that we try, cry out that we need somebody to lead us in this confusing world in which we live today. Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount and in other places of Scripture. That there, there, there are basically two roads in life that we can travel and choose for our direction. You can travel that broad, wide, easy road, but it leads to destruction. Or you can travel that straight, narrow road that leads to life. And the good news is that Jesus, the good shepherd, leads us and guides us in that process. He says, this is the way. Walk in it. And then thirdly, Jesus loves his sheep. He loves you and me passionately. Look at verse 11. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. King James says he gives his life for his sheep. The good shepherds, compared to the bad shepherds that they had known, good shepherds would risk their life to find a lost sheep. In Isaiah 53, 6, we're told why. That's the great passage about the suffering servant, Jesus the Christ. 
I'm not sure what you might be doing in preparation for reading during this time leading up to Easter, but I'm reading through several works, and one of them is a book entitled The Gospel According to God by John MacArthur, and it's an exposition, wonderful exposition on Isaiah 53, simply that one chapter of Isaiah 53. And in there we see so much about Jesus as the shepherd and Jesus as the suffering servant who would come and lay down his life for us so that we might experience eternal life. And the reason for it is this in Isaiah 53, 6. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. You see, Jesus knew that that would happen when he came. He knew that when, that, when he came that that would happen, that he would be the sin bearer. And he was willing to lay down his life for us. The Apostle Peter would later write in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 and say, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. You see, Jesus laid down his life for us because he loves us. And then we know the depth of that love because in his care for us, Jesus keeps his sheep. He secures our salvation. We talked last week about Jesus as the door. When we enter through that door who is Jesus Christ, we find the two most important things we need in life. We find safety and we find significance. We find security and we find purpose and meaning in our life. We find ultimate security in the fact that Jesus keeps us as his sheep. Have you ever doubted your salvation? Have you ever wondered if God is truly keeping you safe? Can you hold on and make it to the end either of your life or either for a time coming when Jesus returns? You see, there's always a constant concern and anxiety about some people about, you know, am I saved and safe? Now, there's a phrase we've used a long time and people have quoted that. You know, uh, once saved, always saved. Is that true? I got to tell you this. I got to tell you this. I read it this week and I debated about it. It's corny, but I like it. Let I me mean, follow this all the way through, okay? But think about once saved, always saved. One morning, a guy got up. He'd been shaving his face all, all through his life, and he decided, I'm not going to shave today. I'm going to go to the barbershop. I'm going to get a real shave. How many guys have had a shave at a barbershop? You need to experience it at least once. It's, it's, it's great. I've had two, and it's great. It's a great feeling. Anyway, this guy goes, and the barber's busy, but he says, hey, my wife is Grace. She, she can do a good job. She'll shave. So his wife's named Grace. So she shaved the guy, and he said, boy, this is a great shave. It's so smooth. Yeah. And he said, well, how much are you? Oh, she said, $20. Well, he thought that was a little high for a shave, but he said, it's a great shave. My face is real smooth. And so he paid her the $20. The next morning he got up, he felt his face. It was still smooth. He didn't need to shave. The day after that, he got up. His face was smooth. He didn't need to shave. That went on for 10 days. He didn't have to shave, and his face was still smooth. So he goes back to the barbershop and he says to the barber, I can't believe this. He says, your wife shaved me and I don't have to shave anymore. And the barber said, you've been shaved by grace. Once shaved, always shaved. <laughs> I thought you would like that. I've been laughing at that all week long. I was hoping y'all would catch it and laugh, okay? Once shaved, always shaved. Let's call it eternal security, Okay. Do we have the word verses 27 and 28 up? That go along with that? Jesus keeps your sheep. Look at verses 27 through 28. 
Jesus talks about that. Uh, and he says, this is what he says. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, but my sheep know me. And just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Okay, that sets the framework for it. Then we go down here to verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Now you think, where are you in your salvation? How secure are you there? You are in the hand of Jesus Christ. And then the hand of God the Father is wrapped around that hand. And nobody's going to get to you to pry you out. You are eternally safe and secure. And Jesus promises that to us. Oh, I wish I had more time to talk about that. I got so many things we could say about that, but we're running out of time. Now, thought, here we come. Let's wrap this up. What, what do we do? How do we respond? What do we do with this statement that Jesus makes, this claim as being the good shepherd? Well, the call of Jesus as the good shepherd is upon our life today. Here's three things you need to do. First of all, you need to reciprocate his love. See, the Bible teaches us in, in 1 John 4.10 that this is love, that God, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And the Bible tells us that we love because God first loved us. God loves you. He sent his son Jesus Christ to earth to die for your sins. You need to reciprocate that love. Love him back because he loves you. Then secondly, you need to relish hearing his voice. The sheep that Jesus talked about, they always loved to hear the voice of their shepherd. It gave them comfort, security, and leadership, and guidance that they needed. We need to relish hearing the voice of God speaking to us, reminding us of his love, giving us his guidance, providing for us what we need. And then thirdly, you need to respond to his call. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. We need to make sure that when we hear the voice of Jesus as the good shepherd, that we follow him. That's what he wants us to do. Now there's another passage, one other verse in here. In, in, in verse 16, Jesus talked about the fact that he says, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also that they will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. You see, most of you today are sheep and safely in the fold of God's kingdom. But there might some be some of you who are sheep who are lost, literally, wandering in sin. You haven't made that decision. Jesus is still the good shepherd who laid down his life for you to give you forgiveness from your sins, to give you eternal life, to give you eternal security, to be that good shepherd in your life, always leading and guiding and directing your life. You need to trust him today. You need to let him gather you into that fold and give you that security that you need. He's the good shepherd. He can be trusted. Give him your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for Jesus as our good shepherd and how he loves us and how he cares for us. And Father, how much we need that in this world today. That's still so easy to lose our way, to lose our bearing 
Thank you for providing this good shepherd, Jesus, who gives us everything that we need, who leads us and guides us and directs us and who protects us in every way. Father, I pray if there's any out here today, any sheep who are lost and not a part of the, of the, of the sheepfold of Jesus Christ, that they'll come today and acknowledge Jesus Christ as the good shepherd of their life. Father, thank you for, for allowing us to know Jesus as the good shepherd. And we pray in Jesus' name for decisions to be made.